0: Hi, my name is Kenyatta Wright. Thanks for tuning in. In this podcast, I will be discussing an illegal bias concept of rejecting assistance to particular parts of an area, or as it is most known as, redlining. I will be exploring all of its negative impacts and how it leads to segregation. I will also be bringing to light the proof of its existence and the long-lasting effects redlining has had on minorities. So, where does it all start? Well... Raillining was introduced to the United States in the early 1930s through the Federal Housing Administration. After the Great Depression, the government created new housing programs under the New Deal in which African Americans and other people of color were forced into urban housing developments instead of the new residential neighborhoods. According to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, the FHA, quote-unquote, provides mortgage insurance and loans made by FHA-approved lenders throughout the United States in this territory. FHA insures mortgages on single family homes, multifamily properties, residential care facilities, and hospitals. These new advantages and conditions, however, were only made available for loans and assets that met strict criteria. Many of those rules and regulations supported and promoted segregation. Redlining is a system that was created in a way for people of color to not only fail economically, but academically and socially as well. Although redlining was abolished in 1968 under the Fair Housing Act, it certainly still exists today. In the article, Redlining was banned 50 years ago, it still hurting minorities today. Tracy Jane explains how researchers have found that more than half of the neighborhoods nationwide that are labeled as dangerous consist of African-Americans and Latinos, this giving evidence of how redlining regenerates segregation. When redlining began, they created color-coded maps to illustrate what areas were considered the safest. These maps can still be seen in anti-discrimination efforts and affordable housing campaigns, which are becoming more of a crisis due to the coronavirus pandemic. These maps have essentially paved the way the economy is shaped today. In a recent interview with the author, Richard Ronstein, he mentions how the segregation of our metropolitan areas today leads to stagnant inequality because families are much less able to be upwardly mobile when they are living in segregated neighborhoods where opportunity is absent. Minority societies face less resources for generational asset accumulation as a result of redlining. Redlining can be seen from all aspects of society, including education, economics, and healthcare. For example, Maria Goodor mentions in the article, in US cities, the health effects of past housing discriminations are plain to see. The study of historic redlining maps conducted by National Community Reinvestment Coalition, in which shows just how much of an impact redlining has had on economic statuses and health care. It showed that in Black and immigrant neighborhoods, there were higher rates of poverty, shorter lifespans, and higher rates of chronic diseases. The government effectively uses redlining to alienate certain races other than whites in communities where they are subject to suffer, resulting in a racial wealth gap. Redlining has caused such of a negative impact to the point where people resort to the idea of reverse redlining. Reverse redlining targets minorities who cannot get loans. They are given these loans, but they are susceptible to having extremely high interest rates, and because these people have lower income, they are unable to pay them back. This causes them to be in a bigger hole than they already were. After analyzing the systemic oppression of raillining and its influence on our corrupt society, there's only one question that remains. How do we put an end to this madness? Community Reinvestment Act is a law that was created over 40 years ago to fight raillining. In an effort to make up for decades of race-based disinvestment, the CRA requires banks to make investments in low-income communities through activities such as making affordable home loans, providing branches in low-income neighborhoods, and promoting small businesses. Yet the CRA only does so much, and it has lengthy and little-known paths. The real change starts with us and our voice. Injustice and bounds in our culture and throughout the universe And facing challenges that seem to be several times larger than the handful can handle, let alone speak out against. The strength of our words in a society that supports freedom of speech is not only greatly valued, but can also help make a difference in matters that matters to us. And that concludes the end of my podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and remember, never underestimate the power of your voice. Change starts with you. And again, thanks for tuning in. My name's Kiana Wright, and I'm signing off.